Hello and welcome to another Sustainable Wine podcast. This is a recording of a conference session that took place as part of our Sustainable Wine Packaging Conference on the 23rd of June 2021 as a virtual event. It was kindly sponsored by BSI, the British Standards Institution. Thanks so much to them for their support. Really looking forward to hearing from uh, both Muriel and Damien and Melissa, if she can join us, about putting principles into practice engaging consumers in sustainable wine. Well, that is um, kind of a holy grail, really, isn't it? I mean, engaging consumers on sustainability generally is um, something that organisations have been struggling with for at least a couple of decades. You know, we started out with with eco-labels and um, we haven't gone much further in many cases. So um, the retail environment is obviously where the the rubber hits the road and where we can have those conversations with consumers. And really interesting to hear from you both today about uh, your partnership and, and how that's working. So delighted that uh, Muriel Chatel from uh, Borough Wines is here and Damien Barton um, of Leoville Barton and Langoa Barton, uh, wine brands which some of you may be familiar with. Love the wines, Damien. Um, really, really uh, a great part of my Bordeaux repertoire. So keep up the great work. Um, and very much uh, keen to hear the views of the audience. So let's just do quick introductions from yourselves so people know exactly who you are. Muriel, let's start with you. Give us the sort of 30 seconds on yourself and, and Borough Wines. Ah, okay. Well, Borough Wine started at Borough Market um, nearly 20 years ago. Um, and from there, we started um, um, a retail business where we had several shops. And what really made us um, unique at the time was really that we were the first one to pioneer the refill system. And we were the, basically what we wanted to do, we wanted to be able to um, offer a good quality wines at, a very, at an affordable price. Um, we needed the, back, the baguette of the baker, basically. And, and that was so successful that on the back of it, at one point, we had 10 shops. And um, by turnout, that really what we wanted to do was stay involved in sustainability and focus on importing wine in bulk and rebottle and keg it and be able to offer sustainable wine solution to basically our colleagues who become our customers. So that's uh, where we are now. And um, last year, this is when we met Damien and we started these partnerships around the bottle deposit scheme. Great. Well, looking forward to hearing about that. But Damien, just briefly, for those who aren't familiar with your, your work on your wine, so if you could give us an introduction. Great. Um, well, um, hello, everyone. Um, I'm glad to be the last generation of Barton uh, looking after the family properties. So, you know, behind me uh, is Longa Barton, which is our oldest, 200 years this year. So I'm very proud of this. Um, so looking after this, and I was uh, very happy to be invited two years ago to this same uh, sustainable conference, uh, but talking a bit more about the environment. And, and it's, it's great because um, it's been, um, you know, having this, this uh, conference led to um, even more decisions we took at the Chateau, but also gave me ideas um, that could be, could be put a little further. And that's how I started thinking, well, there's something to do with the bottle because the carbon footprint is so huge. Um, so what can we do? And this is where we started chatting with Muriel and uh, we end up uh, a few months later with uh, um, yeah, a reasonable uh, bottle theme. Great. Yeah, let's talk about that. And, you know, I've been running sustainability conferences for over 20 years and sometimes people say to me, what's the impact of all this? You know, what you do these meetings, 
what does it really do? And occasionally you hear <laughs> that something you did did have an impact. It may have connected a couple of individuals who then went um, and, and did something useful. So it's great to hear that uh, a conference can result in a, in a useful collaboration. At least, yeah, it's, what it's quite interesting is, is you know, a large conference last year because it's not a, it's not only about saying you know what what do these programs finds. It's sustainability is so much more than this. It's it's about the people who work. Uh, it's about the water consumption. And we actually realized that lots of things that we did or, or that we could do, um, even small things, were important. So, um, and just to, to figure out that, you know, we have our own water treatment center or, or we, you know, we, do, we use local suppliers, it's, it's important in its way. Yeah, thank you. Well, it's good to hear. And um, well, which of you wants to start? Tell us, tell us how this, this came about. We know the, the headlines that, you know, you, you, you wanted to do, make an impact uh, so, how do we talk talk about the story, uh, Muriel? Do you want to start um, um, and tell us how this collaboration's happened? And perhaps you can also give us an overview while you're doing that of the other work you're doing in this space, because Borough Wines has been a bit of a pioneer for the last uh, few ah, years in this area. Thank you. Well, what um, basically Borough Wines we've been focusing on the wine on tap for a long time, um, and we started by uh, basically uh, using. Um, key kegs. Uh, first we started with bag in box and we moved to key kegs um, and then we realized that what we really wanted to do was embrace the circular economy and we felt that if you wanted to be sustainable you, it was really important that the solution wasn't, didn't cause another problem. And, and for us circular economy um, to have a circular model is at the heart of everything we do. Um, wine on tap is great, especially in, an in a restaurant environment, in a hospitality environment, but it's great also for retail as a refill uh, solution, because for wine that you are going to consume within the next two, three days, uh, it's absolutely fine. Um, however, it's always been in the back of my mind, it's, I always felt we still have some breaks in that model in that not everyone is able to have, um, not everyone has a space, not everyone is willing to make the investment in getting the equip equipment um, in order to be able to offer wine on tap. And, and, and for the consumer, it's not always what you want. You sometimes, I mean, the bottle has been around for so long that I think it's you know, it's, it's here to stay for a lot longer. And so to be able to all of a sudden involve the bottle in the sustainability model was, uh, was brilliant. And to be honest with you, when Damien um, talked about it, when, I, when we first met, I went to this meeting where I wanted to convince him that actually he should put his wine and cake and, and forget about the bottle that we didn't want to go back to the past, that um, sustainability has to be about technology and it has to be about the 21st century. Um, it's, if it, at, the bottom line is that if we stopped all those bottle deposit scheme at some point, there must have been some very valid reason. Um, however, after we met, uh, he had convinced me because I kind of felt that, yes, there is a way to do it sustainably. There is a way to create a business model around it, a commercial and viable business model. And there is a, and so that's basically how, um, how we really started um, 
talking. Damien approached us to bottle his wines. Um, however, to me, the, the model can only work if it's part of a range. Uh, because as a, I'm sure you'll agree to be, if we want sustainability makes sense only if you have some impact and it's a volume game and it's a number game, you need lots of people to, to, to bring change. Um, otherwise, it's, uh, th there is no real point, everyone. So, um, but, so I felt that with the bottle deposit scheme, if we had a range and if we were able to standardize the bottles, um, we could make it work. And interestingly, um, there was time in the past where some winemakers didn't really want us to put their wine in, in kegs. Uh, wrongly, but anyway, they're right. And, they're, they, you know. and um, however, as soon as we started communicating about what we wanted to do about the bottle deposit scheme, everyone was, um, was up for it. So that's, um, and we are at the beginning of the story. It only started last December and already it's really incredible because first you kind of move the conversation. Okay, it's wine and the wine needs to be fantastic and the quality needs to be fantastic. The, sub, the, the winemakers need to be sustainable and there is the, all those stories that we bring to the table. But we talk about the concept as well. It's, it's, a, it's a much bigger than just pouring a glass of wine and drinking it. And I think with wine, this is what's interesting. This is what we want. This is, um, so um, it's a very optimistic project, let's say. Uh, and I think in, in those times, it's really important to, to bring optimism in the, in the equation. So that's, uh, that's how I would. Uh, you know. Great, thank, thank you. That's really helpful overview. D Damien, let's hear a bit more from you. I mean, you started, telling the story of how this happened. Love to hear more about that and how your wines have ended up with, uh, with Muriel and her team. Well, Muriel said the most of it, uh, but, but it's really, uh, you know, the, whole, the whole idea literally started um, after the first uh, stable uh, um, conference where, you know, going down to get my coat and cloak room and, uh, and there was Natasha, um, who's, who's here behind the screen as well, Saying, so Damien, when are we selling little Barton kegs? I was like, well, that, that's an interesting idea. Um, and, you know, it's, it's as it said as a joke, it, you know, it stayed in my mind. And I thought, you know, why not? Because, um, um, you know, we do already a lot. And uh, what else can we do to really improve? And um, my, my vision uh, is, um, I have a bit of a, of a sad vision um, in the sense that I'm, I'm happy we, we have 300 years of history in Bordeaux with the Bartons. You know, we started 300 years, more than 300 years ago with companies like Bowie Brothers and stuff like this um, and, and, and other great families like this as wine merchants. We, uh, 200 years of, uh, at Longoire, um, but with you know, what's happening on, on the planet, actually, um, I'm, I'm not sure um, a, that we'll be able to make wine another 300 years to come. And uh, no, if I, if I want to make my, um, um, you know, is there a way that I can try to, um, um, to make sure that the next generations can actually make wine in Saint-Julien, I need to work on it. So um, what can we do? 
And, um, and the bottle of wine is, the transport of wine is a huge percentage of the carbon footprint of the wine. Of course, there's fermentation because fermentation of sugar and alcohol produces tons of CO2. But that's, you know, if you want wine, we, you, you can't really get, go without it. Uh, but the actual bottle of wine, you can. So, um, um, so how can you get rid of the bottle of wine? Um, there's uh, there's bag and box, which I'm, I'm not very ready to put my wines into. There's tetra pack. There's cans. That's recyclable as well. Um, much lighter. There's um, I, I forgot the name. There was someone uh, two years ago who was flattening the bottle of the wines in uh, in a plastic bottle. P, P, PTA, P, something like this. So 100% recyclable plastic again. Much lighter, um, more efficient in terms of uh, of use use of space. Um, but you no, know, if you're going to buy something over ten pounds, uh, I think you cannot replace uh, the the bottle of wine. So I thought, well, instead of breaking it, let's just reuse it. It's we used to do it. And the, the only reason why Coca-Cola stopped doing it, um, it's because um, plastic was cheaper. Uh, so it's just a question of sense. Uh, I'm sure we can do it with wine. So I you know, it's, it's a dig a little bit in the subject. And um, Muriel said it beautifully. You know, it's, it, it sounds like it's something that's old-fashioned. But um, nowadays, uh, logistics are, are incredible. You know, FedEx, all of these... Uh, super fast consumption uh, logistics makes it actually achievable. Um, so, so you know, um, that's that's really how it started. Let's put uh, our wines um, and to reassure um, um, vignon, so winemakers, I wanted to prove that okay, if, if I put my wines in and I'm satisfied with the bottling, because it's not it's not a refillable. It's literally a bottle that I want people. To age, if they wish, you know, it's it's not to be drunk in the week or in the year. If you want to to keep the wines three years, it's a serious bottling. So it's just like it was bottled at the Chateau, but it's bottled in England. And actually, when bottling uh, in Bordeaux was not so good, you know, if you take a, a bottling of Leville Barton, you know, before before you know in the twenties, for example, the bottling from Bay Brothers was a lot better than the bottling of the Chateau. Um, so, so, you know, that we can do quality bottling outside the chateau, and this is what we're trying to do at, at, at Borrow Wines. So, prove that, you know, I'm confident enough to put my wines, and I, I still, I'm still have enough space to talk about my wines, still my wines the same. It's just that we've got rid of the capsule, um, the inks on the label is sustainable, the glue on the label is sustainable, we reuse the bottle, it's a lot lighter. Um, the transport from here to from Bordeaux to England is done in bulk, so there's a, there's a lot more efficiency in the transport as well. Um, so it's all these aspects. It's lots of bits and pieces, but all added together, it's actually a lot of carbon footprint, less less water consumption, less plastic, less cardboard, uh, less wood uh, because there's no, um, no no case. Yeah, yeah. It's um, and and everybody can do it. And then I I also wanted to to enter a little bit more the, the entry-level wine by having a Bordeaux generic. So we have a white, rosé and red generic Bordeaux called the 225 um, because that's, um, that's the, the litre, the, the volume of the Bordeaux barrel and because that's what Bordeaux barrel we used to, uh, you know, made for just for transport. 
So what kind of volumes uh, are we talking about at the moment? Well, for the moment, it's um, in terms of, you know, what, what I've been sending to Muriel uh, in Bordeaux, um, we're only talking about 20 hectolitres per, per wine. Um, so so it's, not, it's not huge, but uh, you know, we need to start somewhere. And um, so I guess, yeah, as you say, it's a sort of experiment, a pilot, a principles in action, which is the title of the, of the session. Do you, have you had any pushback from anyone about this, you know, that you'd be happy to tell us about, you know, in the family or in the wine industry? Um, are people coming to you in Bordeaux and saying, Damien, don't devalue our, our Bordeaux brand by, uh, by putting it back in, <laughs> in this format? Any, any, any challenges, any cultural challenges you need to overcome? Or is everybody just really interested and supportive? What's the, what's the honest truth? Um, well, I, I think for the moment in Bordeaux has been you know, nobody, there's lots of people who's been aware of this, um, but the very few people I've, um, I've, I've talked to or, or who um, uh, have heard of this uh, think it's a great idea. Um, I, I don't think I'll, I'll put Leoville or Longua in it soon just because people are, are for the moment very reassured if possible that the chateau um, but I hope, I hope I hope we can just for the simple fact that uh, um, that it's you know it's it's a bottling system that's supposed to be uh, to be uh, long term um, um, but I would be the, you know, the, the only point where I'm you know, trying to scratch my head is if someone comes back to me with a bottle of wine from the 50s saying hey I'm giving you the bottle back can you refill it um, the, our bottling system nowadays are, are, are so much uh, um, you know, accustomed to one type of bottle. So um, we have actually changed bottles, so we've let, we went slightly lighter, but we have a different bottling system. So if one comes with a bottle of wine of Leoville that drank two, even two years ago or three years ago, uh, we, it would be very difficult for us to clean it and reuse it. So um, we also need to make a little effort, but for Mauvezin, um, you know, so far it's been only positive and lots of other producers Producers, um, that, you know, like Chateau Paris or Chateau Doyac in Omedoc and Medoc, um, they don't need me to sell wine, they sell all of the wine, they're biodynamic, but because the, the thought process is really okay, this, this idea uh, gives a nice place to, to me to talk about my wine, it values my wine, I still make a good living, and it's an extra step toward the environment. So they're super key. Great, thank you. And um, Muriel, can you tell us a bit more about the reaction of customers? Have you made a big deal out of having Damien's wines in your in your um, in your shop, or is it just it's just another wine in an interesting format? I mean, do you, do you promote one over the other, or you just simply say, "Here is our our approach to customers." I'm, I'm trying to work out what their reaction's been. What the you... reaction? Well, I mean, to be. Uh, to, to collaborate with Damien has been amazing because, I mean, in terms of quality, there is no question. And, and so if people question the way, is it okay to bottle in London? Do you know what you're doing? Are you set up properly? Um, we just went Damien Barton. <laughs> and uh, I mean, and it's kind of, a, in a way, we needed this seal of approval. We've uh, set up the, the winery, if I may. I mean, we, we set up um, the bottling line based on Damien's recommendation. So we really wanted to go to the top. We wanted um, basically to have Damien's recommendation, to have kind of a new world approach, 
have a pure control of the, the process. And the, so the reaction has been extremely positive. Uh, and because this is great, I mean, if people are, you know, if you can find wines of that quality, then where, where are the issues? I think the issues are elsewhere, and that's another conversation. Uh, it's basically because we can do so much with sustainability. We can do a lot. Damien can do a lot. I can do a lot. You can do a lot, Toby, as we know. Um, it's um, but then there is somewhere where we feel we are hitting a brick wall, and that's the appellation system. Because when when you talk to uh, people, in fact, it's what are the questions? The questions are: Are consumers ready for it? And I believe that the answer is yes. Are the producers ready for it? And I mean, Damien, and I mean, when Bordeaux is ready, for, if if Bordeaux is ready for something, we can happily say that the rest of the world is ready. Uh, and the so so where are the problem? I think the appellation system, the regulation were done for very valid reason to control what was going on, to make sure that you know the consumer was drinking what the, what was on the on the bottle on the label. But now there is um, it, it's a bit lagging behind all this system, all this wine regulment uh, regulation. So that's where the, the hurdles are. Yeah, I mean that's a common challenge in sustainability generally. You know, regulations can be a, a century or ten years or twenty years out of date, um, and it's it's, it's uh, it can be a genuine challenge. And of course, it takes time to catch up but that uh, that catching up is then inspired by this kind of innovation so you know you can't have one without the other melissa thank you so much for joining us melissa saunders mw is here um lovely to see you again we we last spoke on a workshop we did a couple of weeks ago on this subject for the americas love to hear a, a quick introduction from you about yourself and the work you do at communal brands and then perhaps some comments on on the question itself you know how do we engage consumers in more more sustainable format. So Melissa, welcome and uh, look forward to a, a brief self-introduction and an overview of your thoughts on this. Oh, and you're on mute. You're on mute. I'm mute. Here I am. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so um, yes, uh, lovely to be here and to see you again. And just quickly by way of introduction. So um, I own and operate Communal Brands, which is an import distribution company in New York City that I started 11 years ago. Um, we have always been very focused on sustainable initiatives. I actually prefer to refer to it as environmental responsibility. It's just a term that I find encompasses what we do a bit better. Um, I um, have always worked with producers that are farming in an environmentally responsible way and have generally adopted that ethos. Um, and in more recent times, I guess about four years ago, I really shifted my focus to the package, knowing that um, the impact that could be had by making shifts in packaging decisions on, you know, carbon carbon footprint specifically um, could, you know, really be really be increased. Um, we were definitely uh, going against the grain, um, you know, having done a bit of an analysis on where we could have uh, the largest uh, impact in reducing carbon footprint. Um, you know, knowing that that was going to be the three liter bag and box um, and knowing, um, I guess, generally speaking, the market's perception of that, uh, we, we took on a challenge of, of trying to uh, not only educate, um, but also promote and market um, wines in this format in a way that we thought the, 
you know, broader market might hopefully, uh, you know, respond in a more positive way. And um, yeah, so, so that's what we've been doing. Um, uh, it's been very, very interesting to see how things have evolved. Um, I think things are moving in the right direction in terms of at least uh, awareness of the topic, um, which is why I'm so pleased that there's actually a, you know, um, conference dedicated solely to to this topic. I mean, a, you know, a few years ago, that would have been unthinkable. So um, that's a bit about me and, and, and what I'm doing. Um, as far as the topic today, I think that uh, it really gets to, the, to at least a, a large piece of the heart of um, what we need to be looking at here. And that's, you know, how, how do we engage um, consumers in, in these alternative formats and for uh, uh, environmental motivations? Um, if, if I may, um, so my consumers um, as a um, importer distributor and given the restrictions of the three tier system, my consumers are actually the trade. Um, but I think that, um, you know, it's um, a distinction, obviously, from that end consumer selling at retail. And that's, you know, another initiative. But as gatekeepers to the end consumer, I find that, you know, learning how to be most effective, you know, breaking through to um, the retail and even the restaurant chain, which are, you know, my, my, my direct consumers, um, you know, it, it, it's a relevant piece of the conversation because ultimately end consumers buy what's available and what's endorsed by, you know, retailers. Um, so um, not to digress too much, but I did do my uh, MW research paper on whether or not the retail trade in New York could embrace um, uh, you know, environmentally responsible packaging. And I specifically looked at the subject of, you know, could they actually make purchasing decisions on the basis of environmental credentials? And it was really interesting because part of it is, you know, if you talk about ways to engage, part of it is the education first. So many people, um, you know, that I sell to, are aware of sustainability as a topic, but they're not necessarily aware of decisions they can make to make a difference, nor are they really given a suite of options to where they can actually take action. Um, so that, that's been something that's really interesting. So I think education first, um, and then, you know, to piggyback back off of that, you know, any type of innovation, like, you know, what Damien is doing, um, what, you know, what we're doing with respect to packaging and bag and box and trying to give it a more, um, I guess, like attractive feel, um, you know, and then um, lastly, you know, actually communicating um, the fact that these are innovations, um, you know, communicating to those end consumers um, that this is actually like, you know, you're buying organic in the grocery store, you're trying to, you know, do your best to recycle, well, here's another way that you can actually have a really big impact, you know, in this industry. So I hopefully that answered your question. Thanks. Um, New York, along with many other cities, been through the ringer on COVID. Um, we've also seen some interesting stats, certainly in the UK, on, on wine consumption in terms of people trading up, people having more time to think about what they're buying. Personally, I found COVID um, you know, obviously the whole pandemic thing has, has been dreadful. One of the, the things I've noticed is that um, producers I really like in France 
who used to kind of ignore my emails asking if they could ship me their wine, suddenly become very attentive. <laughs> and the customer service from small producers has gone through the roof. And I've absolutely loved sitting online and going, oh, here's a 2001 Tour de Bon Bandol that I've never tried. I'll just drop them a line and see if they can ship me half a case. And two hours later, I get a lovely email back saying, when would you like the wine? Um, and so we've we've seen this, this real focus. Uh, well, certainly some of the numbers indicate we've seen... Um, a much more responsive set of producers and direct selling. We've seen consumers apparently become a lot more thoughtful because they're drinking at home rather than relying on a confusing wine list. How has this been factored into, into what you've seen, Melissa? And is that is that a silver lining if there can be any out of these terrible situation we've seen in the last couple of years? And then the same question for, for you, Muriel, and for Damien, but Melissa first. Well, I will say that it did crack the door open quite wide for wider acceptance of alternative formats like bag and box. Um, I mean, we saw a, a huge surge of sales in that format. And I'm certain that it was consumers that were normally not accustomed to, you know, going for that particular um, packaging style, but there was a convenience to it. Um, you know, if you're going to the shop and not having to you know, lug home four bottles and you could just take one or two boxes, you know, because everybody was trying to to limit their their contact with the store. So that was like one thing where people were pushed into, oh, well, maybe I'll try it. And I think what was interesting is that at least based on repeat purchases, there was the realization that the wine, oh, actually, it's pretty good. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, really bad wine that you're embarrassed about drinking, you know? And so, um, yeah, I, I absolutely saw that because there was an elevation in consumption. There was, you know, more attention on, oh, I'm going to be home. So I may as well, you know, have my wine at home and, you know, the convenience, the longer shelf life, et cetera, all the other benefits, um, I think, you know, led people to, to, to embracing the format, um, more readily. That said, I don't think the motivation was environmental. So now that we have a captive audience of people, at least from my perspective, that are more open to a format that does have these environmental benefits, we have to actually say, well, not only is it convenient, but there are these other benefits as well, if that makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. Muriel, have you seen your relationship change in a positive way or with your consumers since, say, you know, February last year? Has there been anything you can correlate there? Well, absolutely. Well, for one thing, we are um, we were retailers before being distributors, and um, and so we've been working during the pandemic and with the trade and with consumer directly with consumers. Consumers, we know that when they go to bottle wines, they are really interested in sustainability. So that and and they really embrace the bottle return. That really. Um, um, it's like if, in a way, people had time to think a bit, and all of a sudden, West become a lot more issue around West become a lot more important, and sustainability. As regard to the trades, we there had been a huge shift, and again, is I think is something that's been brewing in people's mind over the last couple of years. I think if you ask people the question in 2019, I don't think their answers would be very much different from what they are now. The difference is that all of a sudden they had time to think. And um, we all know what it's like living, uh, running a restaurant and, um, or a busy shops, and you don't necessarily um, have time, especially when you, you know, when you think about wine and sustainability in a hospitality environment, 
you have to uh, start uh, look at all uh, the full supply chain. It's not just about picking up, um, ordering a couple of cases of wines here and then. You have to really do your due diligence and look at packaging, look at all of this. So when people had time to think, then they contacted us and we, and, and we were able to start conversation. And, and now uh, uh, men, um, what we started doing, and that's something by the end of the year, we'll be doing that 100% is that we can deliver anywhere in the UK without packaging. And I think that um, if we can do it, it means that it can be done. And, and the way by doing that, it means that we look after our own transport through partners and we make sure that we collect back the empty cakes or the empty crate of wines. And when we deliver the wine, it's, there is absolutely, there is no cardboard, there is no plastic, there is nothing basically. And if I want, so basically, if this, um, if today we want people to, uh, professionals or consumers to be able to take something out. It's like, as a consumer or as a professional buyer, what, what do you expect? What should you expect? And I think to start, um, you've got things that you can expect right away and from your consumers and from your suppliers. And there are things that are going to take a, a, a bit longer. But to, I think we're in a position now where you should be able to expect deliveries without packaging. And, you know, some people can do it. So let, let a few like us, a few pioneer like us, you know, show that it's possible. And then everyone is going to follow. And so the, and, and, and that can happen really, really quickly. As a retailer, what um, I think the thing, we are at the point now where we could say, we will not supply, give you bags anymore. You know, come with your own bags or have your bottle of wine in your pocket. I mean, I've, I've, I st it still happens to me when I open, forget to bring a, shop, a, a bag and I live with stuff, you know, in my hand. But uh, it's, um, I think consumers are ready for that. And come a point, you have to jump. You have to make that jump and, and think. Thank so you. Thank you, Damien. Uh, what's your sense of what's changed since February last year? And how do we leverage some of that for, for positive impact? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure um, that things has changed a lot. Uh, I was very, uh, I thought it would change a lot, uh, but I realized people are coming back to their old habits very, very quickly, uh, only from what I can see in France. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure it has a big link with, you know, the, with the, the COVID. But overall, um, I think uh, my generation is definitely, uh, and, and even you know, the, the younger people that are younger than me, are definitely doing the extra step, the extra step, the extra effort um, to go and buy um, food in bulk, um, to um, um, buy organic or to buy from small producers. Um, whereas, and you can see it, I don't know how it is no, in other countries, but in France, the big, massive supermarkets, uh, people want to go local. Um, so the supermarkets are getting smaller and the, the quality of food that they supply is getting better and they tend to emphasize that it's coming from France or that it's good quality or that the farmer is correctly paid, uh, you know, especially with things like, like milk, et cetera. So consumers are getting very, um, um, well, yeah, more fussy with, with not only the quality of the food, but also um, 
yeah, the, the sustainability of the food. So does, is a producer living properly from it? Is it sustainable for the environment? And it's not only you know, health or price. So, so that's, that shows very positive signs for the wine business. And uh, you know, moving from place to place, is, uh, um, some shops are saying, you know, wine in bulk, we're just waiting for it because consumers have changed habits. My parents, no way. You know, I think you know, it's, it's really a change of consumers. My parents and my grandparents would never buy wine in bulk because at the time, you would come with a little plastic uh, you know, box and fill it. And it was very entry-level wine. I had no idea where it came from. Um, uh, and, and yes, there's no, there's no quality. But today, you know, the, the, the winemakers, the vignerons are ready um, to, to give their wines in bulk as long as there's enough space to talk about them. And um, I'm sure the public, you know, the consumers are ready to buy wine in bulk if they know where it comes from, if they know, you know who's the face behind the wine. And, uh, and that's all we need. And, but the, the small shops are ready to change, but the massive place where really wine is bought, uh, 60% of wine in France is bought in supermarkets. And today they are not ready. The only, um, the only um, pressure they have uh, from the government is to have at least 20% of the offer in bulk, but that's in 2025. It's, it's in a long way, you know, we're not really at all there. And, and they already have a few, um, you know, like cereals or rice and pasta in bulk. Um, um, but you can only buy it in the little brown bag, which is half plastic, which makes absolutely no sense. Uh, because if you want to come with your own like glass container, you need to queue first at the, at the cash. So they can you know, weigh your, your container and then you help yourself. And, and, it's, and that's too much of a pain. So some, some supermarkets are getting specialized and are, are doing this a bit more clever, cleverly, but the normal ones are not at all ready for it. So, um, uh, you know, what, what's great is it's, there's only one link missing. The, the consumers are ready. Uh, the winemakers are ready. Um, I think in terms of logistics, it's, you know, we, we just need to, to, to push on it and it's fine. The supermarkets need to, to make the last efforts. Uh, and as, as soon as they realize they can make money uh, by in being sustainable, um, they'll, they'll do the extra step. Um, one thing, sorry, Toby, one thing that's really important is also um, to, to explain that sustainability doesn't have to be expensive. And actually sustainability can save you money in the, because which makes sense. If you have less product, if you have less waste, and by less waste, it's um, okay, it's cardboard and it's um, aluminium bags and it's everything, but it's not just that, it's also um, waste of, of wine not being sold, uh, wine being discounted left, right, and center. I think if you target, if you address waste, um, fully, then obviously you have less cost of production. And then at least the, the, the cost of the bottle is really linked to the product itself, to the wine, which is how it should be. You want the money to go on the wine and not on the packaging and everything else around it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Melissa, anything you want to add here? We have plenty of questions, if not. Um, I mean, a lot of things, but um, I'll limit it and then we can go to some questions. So, um, you know, one, one thing that I'm hearing everybody um, you know, that, um, say, which I think is, is pretty apt is that there is a readiness and an openness right now um, to making some, you know, quote unquote changes in behavior that are, are required. 
um, to move things in the right direction. Um, there is a convenience factor that's sort of embedded in, in all of us that um, obviously needs a, a major shift. So I, I love that we're talking about the fact that it doesn't actually have to be that inconvenient and where it is too inconvenient, you know, looking to make um, certain tweaks in, in the logistics. And then obviously the, the cost issue, I think is huge. Um, you know, that there is sustainability, you know, from a, from an economic perspective in behaving more sustainably. Um, I think this all does ultimately loop back to clear education and information around this topic and, and more coordination um, between, you know, producers um, and uh, those actually selling, uh, because I do think that the timing is right right now for consumers to embrace some of these changes in behavior, I always talk about, you know, the fact that one day we didn't, we could never, you know, fathom wearing a mask. And then everybody's wearing a mask, right? Because they had to. So it might not necessarily be at the point where it's an impediment yet, or um, I'm sorry, imposed yet. Um, but there are certainly less impediments to, you know, actually making, making that shift than there ever have been. And I think the timing is right right now to really encourage people also in light of COVID, and then we'll go, you know, we can go to the questions. It, it, it forced all of us to have to adapt our behaviors to on such a, a large scale, you know, climate change is heading, you know, it's heading us in that direction. But because we don't feel the immediacy of it, at least I don't think I'm saying, you know, we generally, um, there isn't necessarily that call to action. But I think, you know, on the heels of what we've all had to go through um, as a result of COVID, the, the time to make that call to action and explaining why and explaining, you know, how really um, is critical. So that's at the sort of the core of, of what I'm doing right now. Thanks. Uh, a quick technical question that's coming from Patrick Bryson. And Melissa, maybe you want to comment. I don't know if, if Damien and, and Muriel do. Is there a way to include vacuum type ceiling so that wine in consumer bulk formats can last longer? Uh, I, I saw that question. It was very interesting. Uh, the, so, yes, but actually what is really key is the, the bottle itself. Um, if the bottles are clean, you can vacuum the wine. You still have uh, um, bacteria or, or other yeast in, uh, in the bottle. So um, if you, you actually steam clean your bottle before you fill it, yes. Otherwise, it, it's, no, it makes no change. Could you use UV to do that? You could, absolutely. Uh, as long as the bottle is, is, is perfectly clean of, of any uh, sort of micro-living uh, you know, bacteria or yeast, um, then, then that's fine. I was talking to a major retailer about this the other day, and they're trying to switch from cleaning bottles for, for bottling bulk wine from water or air to UV, because the, the energy savings, the environmental savings would be absolutely enormous. So that was a, a technology they were looking for. So... If anyone knows their UV technologies for mass bottle cleaning, let me know and I'll pass it on to retailers. You, you still need to, instead of reusing, you still need to clean it. You know, there's a liquid before. Um, so with, with Ryan, we need to have some kind of liquid to clean the bottles. Um, but if the bottle arrive clean from, um, from, from somewhere, we still like to use, for example, at the bottling system at Longwa Neville, we, we have air um, because, uh, you know, you never know in the bottling, you know, you might have a hair or, or dust, of, you know, glass dust or something like this. 
um, that you don't want to have, of course, when you drink uh, when you drink wine. Yeah, or, or a very happy spider. <laughs> what a way to be happy. <laughs> what a way to go. Um, uh, Muriel, do you want to come in on this before Melissa? Well, the the thing is, um, yeah, that's true. I think the, the trick is really UV, um, is, is, like, it's fantastic. The only problem is that if the bottle is not, it doesn't clean, it's just going to sterilize. But, but also, just to mention, although we use we use some uh, some water to clean the bottles, it's still so much less than than the water used for recycle to recycle. It's it's already a gain. So people think that yeah, yes, there's extra transport to move the bottles back, but there is just as much transport from your glass bin to the recycle um, no, to the recycle plant. Um, and then at the recycle plant, they use enormous amounts of water. Uh, so just the water used for rinsing the, and cleaning the bottles is actually less, 60%, uh, I mean, 40% less than, uh, than the amount of water that we use to, uh, to recycle glass. So it's already, no, it's really better than, uh, than, than just pure recycling. And I mean, we've been doing refill for yeah, nearly 20 years. And um, the thing is, we never had problems. When people come and the bottle doesn't look clean, we give them a new one, yeah. But the thing is, and we've sold loads and loads and loads of wine in refill. And so I think the, the point I'd like to make is that it would be very good if someone could do research on that and actually show what the risks are, if there is any. And, and then we need, as a consumer, at the same we need to be, it's all about, if we have those information, then I think you make decision based on the data, what it's telling you, instead of going with a bazooka to treat something that might not be a problem in the first place. So I think, again, you need the legislator, you need the, 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 the government to get involved with this. And instead of trying, we, we can't have this oh, I'm pro this uh, insurance company attitude all the time. I think in the 21st century, we've got to drop that attitude. I mean, because, and, and when we did that, we did call all the obviously local authority to check if we were, if they were happy with us doing refill and no one had a problem with it. And okay, maybe there is a, um, you know, it needs to be clarified. We were talking to Mark and Spencer at the moment at, at one point, and it's true that it is a concern, but it's more a concern out of ignorance than a, a real concern, if you know what I mean. We don't know what the risks are. And I personally, I know for a fact, okay, it's anecdotic, but I think 20 years and having 10 shops selling 300 bottles a week in each shop for 20 years give you a clear, a, a, a quite an understanding of, of what um, you know, what you, what the risks are. But it would be good if that could be backed up by a study, because then what you could end up with is yes, when you have uh, you sell the, the new bottle, like the wine bottled in in a refill bottle, sealed, and then the consumer come back. There is a, it need to be very clear that if the bottle is dirty to sight, they can't use it. But then, you know, but for to, of course, no one, Waitrose is certainly not going to do that. They don't want to be left, right and center. So, but I think it's worth the debate because that would save a lot of agro to, to a lot of people. Thank you. Uh, Melissa, comments on this on the vacuum point? Um, I, I mean, I don't really have anything uh, new to add other than, you know, just to 
um, continue on what Mariel said, just that it is ultimately people just need to understand, you know, as Damien was saying, if the bottle is clean, there are very, there are many ways to mitigate whatever issues could occur. And this is the same, even when you're bottling the first time, right? So, you know, you have to assume that if a producer is assuming this type of packaging, that they're taking into account the quality control issues and they're addressing them. And so, you know, it does require, I guess, again, education to reassure the end consumer that this is being thought through. This is not just, you know, haphazard, if that makes sense, right? And um, it's actually no, no more of a concern than, you know, I don't know if, um, I mean, I know as an importer, sometimes, you know, nothing is ever perfect. Sometimes, you know, in a particular bottling, something could go wrong. Of course, this could happen. But the idea is to have the practices in place that the producer has thought these through, and then educating at the end consumer level, this has been thought through, this is stable and secure. And this is why I, that that's the only thing I would add. Well, uh, thank God the product wine is, is, is very, it's very safe in the sense that it's, there's high acidity and there's alcohol. Um, so um, unless the consumer has put uh, something else in, in, in refilling, has put something else um, that's, is not, uh, you know, consumer viable. You know, I don't know, you know, uh, uh, bleach or whatever. Uh, then it can be dangerous for them. Um, but we cannot have any safety. But I don't know if they have used it for, um, you know, for water or for orange juice or whatever the liquids. Um, it's it's fine. You know, um, the basics are that if you're going to fill the bottle yourself. It's not going to age for a long time because um, you cannot get um, the, the the container perfect. Uh, you never know, you know, when you close it. it it's always a question of, of bacteria. If you really want to be able to store it for longer, just put it in the fridge, even if it's red wine. If you want to, you know, fill up your bottle bulk and keep it for three weeks, just put it in the fridge. This will stop any kind of transformation because transformation needs heat to accelerate the chemical process. Of um, of um, alcohol into vinegar, or uh, or the other one would be Brett. So turning the wine into this very pretty uh, sort of horsey aromas. Um, if you put it in the fridge, there's no no risk of this. Um, the the other subject we're talking about is reusable bottle. This, to my mind, is is our. Uh, uh, <clears throat> It's to us to be careful and make sure that the product that people buy is safe. So it's it's our role to to make sure the bottles are perfectly clean and uh, and when it's bottled that it, that it's fine. Um, but uh, but thank God, you know, we, we have a bit of experience with this, so uh, we try to do it well. And and the thing is, as you pointed out, Damien, I think it's very important also uh, now to see wines the way we would see other food produce. Like uh, you, everyone knows that when you buy organic lemon, they're not going to uh, to last as long as if you buy uh, uh, lemons that have been protected um, under loads of packaging um, with pesticide and nitrogen and stuff. So, and, and then you make the difference between um, a fresh product and, a con and, and something that's been preserved to last. And I think as a consumer, then we need to educate them and to exp and educate them, I mean, you don't need a degree or a PhD to understand it. I think it's very simple to understand and to explain to people. It's like you need to understand that you've got a fresh product that could be the refill that is going to last a few days, 
week maybe or a bit longer like Damien said but it's not meant necessarily to last um, and then you've got the bottle with a proper cork that being done to, prof to winery standard and that's meant to edge and then you give them the choice and they can take their own responsibility because I mean a sustainable world is also a, a world where individuals take their own responsibility. We know now more than ever that we need to take our own responsibility for our own health. And, uh, you know, because, well, we we've, um, are exhausting resources uh, by adopting better lifestyle, et cetera, et cetera. And it's the same as a, uh, we need to, to people to become smarter shopper and, and not, you know, yeah. And, and so this is where the shift needs to be. And but again, I'm convinced it can happen really, really quickly if you have the right people at the, um, around the right table, like now. <laughs> Thank you. Well, um, Mike Nolden has an interesting question here. Mike, do you want to ask your question live so that we can do it justice rather than me reading it out in a clumsy way? Mike, are you here? Would you mind, uh, is your question about shipping fine wines in bulk? Mike, are you there? Hi. Sorry, I was just on the other side of the room. Um, you I guess, um, who you work with as well, just so we know who you are. And is your, um, is your video on? Sorry? Is your video on? And can you just tell us... Oh, there you are. And can you just yes. tell us, you know, your affiliation as well, please? Um, yes. So I work as a, as a food and drink consultant, developing new uh, products, largely in food, but also a little bit in soft drinks. But I also work a bit uh, doing wine education and that's kind of what brings me here i'm starting to uh, run new tastings trying to consume uh, trying to um, communicate more with consumers about different sustainability issues so i've got a very broad interest in all of these topics really um, but i was just thinking in terms of engaging consumers uh, in shipping in bulk and uh, and kind of accessing wines at the point of sale in that way, would it be fun to do an experiment with a very fine wine, bringing you know uh, a couple of barrels of a back vintage of something that's ready to drink, and then creating kind of uh, event around that? Is that something that would be practical? I guess it's missing the point slightly that really what we're focusing on here is is not that end of the market, but I think as a kind of sensational exercise, it could have some kind of traction. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Another innovation for you, Damien? <laughs> um, well, it's, uh, I saw the question. I was uh, uh, thinking about it uh, while we were talking about the other subjects. Um, well, we, we, we can't, um, you know, it would make no sense to pull the corpse from uh, of like a, uh, of a 2010 Leoville or, or whatever, the wine, and, and pour it back in barrel um, because it, we, we bought it after 18 months in barrel, we bought it. But, uh, you know, let's say that the, from, from now we keep like two or three barrels to age for longer because the wine does age a lot faster in barrels. So I wonder how we would label it, like, uh, you know, because it wouldn't be the same wine as the one that's only stayed 18 months in barrel and then bottled. It would be a wine that stayed like three or four years in barrel. Um, but, but after all, you know, why not? It could be fun. And that would make a wine that's definitely more ready to drink. And, uh, and it would really fit this uh, this uh, you know reasonable wine theme so um no why not and on the on the on the very unique label to explain what what it is um i think it'd be a great idea because great bottle should be drank um with a bit of age so yeah uh, i could see this and 
I have no fear of sending fine wine in bulk, and you know this this works well. Excellent. Um, we'll look forward to you reporting back at next year's conference on where you've got to. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Thank um, you, uh, Melissa. Any comments on this? Um, well, I mean, I think it's an interesting idea in terms of promotion and education and doing and demonstrating um, the possibilities. I think that um, there's a lot to it. I know, um, you know, as a quick example, a couple of years ago, I did a wine dinner with a producer at a pretty, you know, high, high profile restaurant in New York City. And the dinner was, you know, a producer that produces wine in bottles, obviously, and they also do um, a, a large format bag and box for us. And at the end of the dinner, after going through all of the bottles, wine came out in a carafe. Um, everybody thought it was the most special wine of the evening, tasted it, thought it was delicious. And it was actually out of the bag and box. And the entire audience was very, very surprised to hear they were like, oh my God, and it was their favorite wine of the night because it came out in, in, decan in decanters. Um, and this was kind of an interesting way of saying, hey, look, like it can be quality wine in this format. So I think... Uh, uh, Mike is on to something with uh, this idea, create, it, creating an experience around um, some of these other, you know, sustainable options and having it be a positive experience, I think, is a way to, to engage consumers. Yeah, and as more and more chateaus, you know, some of them at least want to avoid, you know, some negotiation and sell direct and have wine clubs, you know, and, and enhance their sustainability, what better way to do that? Um, yeah, thanks, Mike. Uh, hopefully um, you'll get credit for this idea should it take off and some kind of royalty. So uh, <laughs> fingers crossed. Well, look, we're pretty much out of time. I didn't see any further questions. If we go into another topic, we're going to run over time. Uh, so I think I'm going to stick to time and thank uh, Muriel, Melissa and Damien for their um, frank and honest contributions. Thanks to you, the audience, for taking part. It's been another fascinating discussion. Thank you to the panel. Thank you all. Take care. Bye.